listeners, I'm Dr. Muji. And I'm Iyabade. As the ever-continuing reminder goes, listeners, remember to text along as you listen. The number you'll be texting is 650-360-7282. That's 650-360-7282. And remember to leave a review wherever you're listening Every review, every rating helps. And also share it with your network, your tribe, your crew, whoever you're going to see tomorrow, whether that's virtually or in person, tell at least one person about the podcast. You never know who might just need to hear some positive voices with a positive message and maybe learn something new. Yes, our podcast is for a variety of listeners. Speaking of which, I came across a recent piece in the Washington Post about men and their mental health. And this caught my attention. It's about how too many men ignore their depression, phobias, and other mental health issues. You know, like physical health, many men still struggle when it comes to their mental health. They continue to lag way behind women, for example, in terms of receiving mental health treatment or even in terms of seeking mental health treatments. Some important reminders that I would want to share, particularly for the men listening and for women who have men in their lives, please men, don't be embarrassed to ask for help. Always talk to someone, someone who can be of assistance. Although mental illness may not be visible, it is real. Anxiety, depression, and other such mental health issues will not just disappear. And it's important to know that one can recover, you can recover, we all can recover, and there are treatments out there ranging from yoga, acupuncture, meditation and mindfulness practices, medications, and psychotherapy. The bottom line, don't create excuses. Don't ignore signs or symptoms that indicate that something is not right. That's such an important reminder, mom. And I'm so glad that you mentioned it because in all seriousness with your bottom line, I want to highlight that line. I want to exclamation mark it for anyone listening out there, especially for men who might have grown up in a generation where they were told to toughen up or to quote unquote, be a man, which by the way, that is such a disturbing thing to say or even think about as being accepted to say. I have just so many questions as to that origin and even how that was able to permeate in a society. But nevertheless, we are where we are. And I really want for anyone listening to remember not to create excuses or ignore any signs that something isn't right. Something that I do find really promising, especially as someone who has four brothers, so there are many men by default that are in my life, have been in my life. I do feel as if this toxic masculinity, although it still exists, that mindset of men not wanting to show weakness, it still may be present, but I do think it's becoming less prevalent as time goes on. I do feel as if men in my generation, mom, 
are likely a bit different to those in your generation. No offense. I know people make comments about us being like sisters, but realistically, we're not sisters, okay? (laughs) We are in very different generations. And I do think there's a difference there where men in your generation might have had this mindset or frame of mind where they didn't feel it was acceptable at a societal level to actually seek help. And I would like to think that that's significantly changed and will hopefully just continue changing more and more in future generations. And for everyone, mental health is important for each and every single one of us. A statistic that I throw around a lot, well, maybe not a lot, but I throw it around and it's more of my party trick at this point. So imagine what type of party this must be. But in the US, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death. Let that sink in. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death. And worldwide, two-thirds of all suicides are by men. These are numbers that should make each and every one of us look around at our circle, take inventory of ourselves, and see how we're doing. How are we faring? Because when you can hear those types of numbers, it shows that something isn't right. It shows that we aren't just all okay. There clearly is room for improving our mental health and ensuring that those around us, those that we love, that we care for, that they do the same. All right, well, to counter that start to the episode, I have some pretty uplifting commentary that I would like to add to this discussion here today. Before we get started on the topic, I do have listener feedback that I'd like to share. We had a listener share that, quote, I've never listened to a podcast before. I always thought they were just people talking to themselves, but that was fascinating. I love how your daughter said she was hijacking the podcast. That was funny. I want to check out the book your daughter recommended in the end. I need to go back and listen to it again, end of quote. And mom, you received that feedback. And to be quite frank, listeners, I don't actually know what the episode is that the listener is referring to. Maybe we can do some more homework here because I don't actually know, but... Thank you, listener, for the commentary about the podcast and referencing my hijacking an episode. That sounds very much like me. I can think of many situations and circumstances where I was doing that on this podcast. Yes, that particular feedback was sent to me by one of my students. Well, on to the juicy part of this episode. I, in the near future, mom, this is a request with all of our listeners present and aware that it's happening. I really hope that we can cover thinking traps soon, cognitive distortions, because it's something that until very recently, I wasn't aware of as an overarching phenomenon or category of phenomena. And they have been fascinating to learn about. And I strongly believe that our listeners will be able to relate to very many of them, if not all of the thinking traps and potentially benefit from them. I know I definitely would. But for today, I'm accepting our exploration of a very common thinking trap, catastrophizing. Say that three times fast. But I'll start with my understanding of what it means to catastrophize. And then mom, hopefully you can give the actual psychological definition, the expert opinion. For me, when I think of catastrophizing, I think of it being a situation in which a person is imagining the worst possible outcome or scenario, and then they're spiraling from there. It actually makes me think of this book by Michael Singer. It's called The Untethered Soul. 
Highly recommend it if you've never read it before. But one of the first chapters in the book is about the voice inside your head. He then also describes it as your inner roommate. And I love this quote of his that says, There is nothing more important to true growth than realizing that you are not the voice of the mind. You are the one who hears it. Michael Singer then explains that life will unfold however it will. There are so many forces outside of your control that regardless of what your mind has to say, it's not going to change what's going to happen. This can potentially be a positive thing with work or planning an event or even in some settings that I just can't think of right now. But realistically, you can't constantly live this way and expect to be happy. You can't constantly have your inner roommate chatter depriving you of appreciating what's happening right now, what's happening in your life. Let's talk about catastrophizing. Let me hear that actual psychology definition, please. True, true, my daughter. No one can keep ruminating and having a doomsday mindset and be content with their lives. No one. My daughter, to add to your description so far, especially when you say you want the psychological definition or description of catastrophizing, it's a cognitive distortion and it is also a mental stumbling block. It causes people to jump into the worst case scenario. Typically, there isn't sufficient information or objective reasons to worry. When we catastrophize or engage in catastrophic thinking, we feel like we are in the midst of a crisis. We are uncomfortable when situation is not necessarily catastrophic, nor is it tragic. Mind you, everyone, including me, has nasty notions in their heads one time or another. When our negative thinking or inner critic, as you had called it, inner critic, or the inner chatter spirals out of control and out of proportion to the reality of a particular situation, then you are catastrophizing. I love that word, catastrophizing. And I'm surprised that I'm not stumbling on the word as I thought I would. (laughs) Oh, mom, we still have a lot of the episode left. Don't jinx yourself this way. (laughs) But to be fair, you do love saying catastrophizing. So it's funny that you'd even be concerned about stumbling. Say it one more time for us catastrophizing. <laughs> <laughs> a real life is a real life example. We're hearing it played it. out. <laughs> you got it, my daughter. Anyway, unfortunately, some of us have the habit of catastrophizing, making mountains out of molehills. You know, this is almost a flashback to our self-talk episode. I know it goes way beyond that in this context, but At some point in time, we're bound to hear from that harsh inner critic. It's going to appear at some point, trust me. But we have the power to counter what that critic is saying. It's like if you heard someone bashing your best friend. This is your childhood friend or perhaps just someone that you've bonded over some deep, deep experiences with. You're hearing someone bash this person. You have a choice in that moment. You can either join along or you can counter those statements. If you're a terrible friend, then you would bash. 
But if you're a good friend, you'll at minimum not join in that activity. Maybe you'll let the comments go to not cause conflict in that moment, but you wouldn't join in, plain and simple. Apply that same line of thinking for yourself and your inner voice. At minimum, you can let those thoughts pass, but at best and ideally, you can counter those thoughts. Very well put, my daughter. I love that. Thank you. I worked on it myself. Original thought. So mom, what is the origin of catastrophizing? Where does this come from? In the psychology literature, the term catastrophize is attributed to the psychologist Albert Ellis. But the source or foundation of the phenomenon is uncertain. For some psychological scientists, it's thought to be a coping method picked up from the family or other important persons in your lives when you were young. According to other psychologists, the origin of the concept could be tied to our brain chemistry. For example, changes that occur in the brain, or it could be as a result of an experience, most likely unfavorable experience. It's interesting because I wouldn't necessarily have thought of the brain chemistry component as being um, something that could generate or lead us to have this tendency to catastrophize. I suppose I would have thought it would be due to more social factors or social conditioning, where perhaps you grew up with a parent or with parents who vocalize the worst case scenario. If you're getting ready to go to the playground, maybe they would let you know the million and one terrible things that could happen to you on your way there or while you're there and warn you, thinking that they were trying to prepare you for the worst. But that then has residual consequences. It then has your brain naturally inclined to think of those worst case scenarios. Or I suppose I would also think maybe it's more of a personality type experience where if you're neurotic or the more neurotic you are, then your brain is more likely to build up this database of possible worst case scenarios. And you just are constantly in this reel of playing each and every one of those out in your mind. My daughter, all those are possible explanations. There are many theories about the origin. But regardless, not all catastrophizing looks the same, and it can be done in many settings. We can engage in catastrophic thinking alone or while we relate to others. We have that tendency to magnify or exaggerate the impact of our behavior. If we're looking at it in terms of being alone, and I'm going to use some examples as it relates to me catastrophizing about my health, for instance. Again, maybe based on past experiences, anytime I get a diagnosis, no matter how simple or mundane it looks like, I overthink it. I'm always thinking of the worst case scenario. I'm always questioning my physician. I always want to know more, even when they try to, my physician might try to reassure me. When alone, some people, including me, could also catastrophize about their finances. It depends on the relationship you have with money. Uh, but again, many a times you might find yourself thinking of worst case scenario as it relates to 
maybe your tax return or maybe in terms of uh, paying your mortgage. We can also look at catastrophizing in terms of intimate relationship. And I'm thinking, for instance, of an example of maybe someone planning to go on a first date, even if it's face-to-face or online. You know, nowadays, more online first dates. So these are just examples of a setting or settings where catastrophizing might occur. But I So think- within our family, mom, who was the catastrophizer between you and dad? <laughs> or was it co-catastrophizing? <laughs> Let me think. Um, I think I'm the more of a catastrophic thinker, (laughs) more than your dad. Then the one that I think that our listeners will be very interested in is in work settings. It could occur in terms of you working by yourself in which you make a little error and you're thinking of the grave consequences of that error. But for some people, it's even worse off if they're working in a team. You are thinking, oh, my God, have I measured up in terms of my assigned duties? Um, The way I've performed a particular task, what effect would it have on the team's output? But the interesting thing is that catastrophizing is a difficult process to understand. Why? It's not restricted to exaggeration. And people may not always be aware that they are even catastrophizing. You know, you asked me about my catastrophic thinking vis-a-vis your dad. I'm just thinking, for instance, that your younger brother will be able to answer that question very well because he typically calls my attention to my catastrophizing. And that is based on my language. I even catastrophize on behalf of others, (laughs) on behalf of you and your brothers, or in terms of my close friends. Listen, listeners, I have a lot to say here. I grew up in a household of catastrophizers. I don't know what my mom is talking about with it being her who's the primary catastrophizer, because I heard it from my dad's side too. But to a degree, I think part of it is maybe just more normal parenting fears or concerns, right? When you're letting your children roam the world, the earth, you can't help but want to prepare them and help inform them about what could go wrong or what they could face. Unfortunately, life isn't just chock full of incredible, kind, caring human beings. There are some people that might not be the best presence in your kid's life. And so you want to warn them that, yes, there could be drunk drivers out there. Yes, there could be people who are pretty reckless as they're doing X, Y, and Z, whatever the case may be. So I think growing up, I perceived it more as that versus catastrophizing necessarily. But mom, you know, I love to tease you. It's one of my favorite pastimes, so I couldn't help but ask about the catastrophizing. With that said, though, I can relate to you um, more so when it comes to the starting steps of catastrophizing. I think you and I are a bit different there where it ends pretty early on for me where I'll initially start thinking of these not so great outcomes. And I'm working on this actively myself because 
My inner voice is a creative genius. I've mentioned this before during our self-talk episode, but I'm not a creative genius overall. It's just my inner voice absolutely is. It's ready to win Academy Awards. Whatever awards can be given for creative writing, all of it is ready based on what my mind is able to conjure up. But fortunately, what helps me a lot is that I don't struggle too much to shift my line of thinking. Even when those thoughts start to come up, I feel as if I'm able to shift my thoughts without letting it spiral or cripple me. It still doesn't mean that I'm in a good state. It's why I'm working on it. But I think it spares me a lot of the negative consequences because I'm able to kind of shift the boat. I'm able to shift the direction that these thoughts are going. It's not to the point where they just persist or worsen or prevent me from living my life. But for many others, they're not so lucky. So mom, what can catastrophizing be a sign of? Catastrophizing can be a sign of several mental health conditions, my daughter. We've already alluded to conditions like anxiety, depression, and it could also include anger problems. Some people might have anxiety disorders, agoraphobia, which is the fear of being trapped in situations where getting out is difficult or where they believe that aid is unavailable if things go wrong. And then, of course, there could be others with obsessive compulsive disorder where you have unreasonable thoughts that rise to compulsive or irresistible urges or behaviors. However, even if people do not have diagnosable conditions, they can engage in catastrophic thinking. I really can see the importance of discussing this phenomenon. In reality, I feel like catastrophizing is our brain's way of prepping us for pain. I feel as if all roads lead back to that key component, pain, or maybe it's even fear, fear of pain. Whatever the case may be, our brain is preparing us for the absolute worst. And like I said earlier, it can be good to be prepared. But when you can't shake these worst case thoughts, you begin inflicting a different kind of pain on yourself. Now you're inflicting emotional pain, which has physiological impact. It has an effect on your body. So mom, given all of that, what are some ways that we can avoid catastrophizing or at least limit it? Yes, uh, there are many ways we can stop exaggerating things. (laughs) My favorites include just don't go overboard. Try to maintain your focus when we catastrophize and we're looking at worst case scenario, we have to bring our focus back to quote unquote reality. Sleep is another useful strategy. Know when it's time to sleep. Have enough sleep. That has a positive impact on your thinking. Recognize that your thoughts do not define you. Try to separate yourself from your thoughts. Do not mix up the present or the past and the future. Get some exercise. More specifically, pay attention to your ideas, to your thinking. Keep an eye out for when your thoughts drift away from legitimate fears. Because yes, there are some times when there are legitimate fears. Remind yourself 
of the things over which you do have control. Also importantly, get to know how you as an individual catastrophize. That is, study yourself. You're worth it. Always remind yourself you are worth it. Note and identify when you are catastrophizing. Label your thoughts. You can say to yourself, I'm having the thought that I'm a lazy person rather than I am a lazy person. Those are two distinct ways of viewing oneself. Give names to your thoughts. Those thoughts that keep repeating themselves. Tell yourself, this is my I am a lazy person story. Because again, many a times, it's the story we're telling ourselves. It may be helpful also to replace a catastrophic thinking with a more realistic one. Instead of, how in the world will I get this task done? Say to yourself, this task may be tough, but I am tougher. I have the will. I'll find the way. I love all of those, especially the labeling your thoughts. I think at the end of the day, we both recognize listeners that these aren't going to be easy strategies to incorporate. It's not easy when you have this powerful and strong inner critic, but the more you practice, the more you even start adding baby steps, taking small movements to shift that line of thinking and to incorporate some of these tools, the more experienced and skilled you'll be at watching over your inner critic, watching over those thoughts in your head. It won't feel like something that's so difficult to do or potentially even impossible to do. It'll be something that you have all of this skill in doing. And I love the idea of envisioning that inner roommate. If we're taking a flashback to Michael Singer's book, that gets me so much. And mom is in alignment with a lot of your strategies that you've shared here. Give yourself permission to call out that roommate. That inner roommate of yours might be telling you that you're a lazy person, and so you're going to fail that next test you take, or you're going to miss your next work deadline, whatever the worst case for you is. It's that roommate that's telling you this, but you don't have to believe what that roommate is telling you. Okay, mom, should we say catastrophizing a few more times just to get it out of our system completely? <laughs> Have we ever said any of these should words? We count before? one, two, three, and then <laughs> catastrophize. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, I love the word, actually. It's very rhythmic. Ah, that's what it is. That's why we like it so much. I see. All right. Well, we can say that word over and over in our own time. Let's wrap up today and have you share your quote with us. My quote for today is by one of my favorite motivational speakers, Tony Robbins. Quote, stop being afraid of what could go wrong and start being excited of what could go right. End of quote. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for spending time with us. Yes, we want to hear from you. Give us feedback on what you heard today and suggestions for topics you would like us to discuss in future episodes. You can email us at catchingcurveballs at gmail.com. That's catchingcurveballs, all one word, at gmail.com. Or you can text us at 650-360-7282. That's 650-360-7282. 
Also remember to follow us on Instagram for much more content at Catching Curveballs Podcast. That's Catching Curveballs Podcast. And as always, remember to rate, review, and tell everyone you know about the podcast. We cannot wait to connect with you soon.